A Drama of Exile by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Drama of Exile. Scene 3. Part 1. Scene. Farther on, a wild open country, seen vaguely in the approaching night. How doth the wide and melancholy earth gather her hills around us, gray and ghast? The stare with blank significance of loss right in our faces. Is the wind up? Nay. Nah. And yet the cedars and the junipers rock slowly through the midst, without a sound, and shapes which have no certainty of shape, drift duskly in and out between the pines, and loom along the edges or the hills, and lie flat, curdling in the open ground, shadows without a body, which contract and lengthen as we gaze on them. O oh, life which is not man's nor angel's, what is this? No cause for fear. The circle of God's life contains all life beside. I think the earth is crazed with curse, and wanders from the sense of those first laws of fixed form and space, or ever she knew sin. We will not rear. We were brave sinning. Yea, I pluck the fruit with eyes upturned to heaven, and seeing there are God thrones, as the tempter said. Not God. My heart, which beat then, sinks. The sun hath sunk out of sight with our Eden. Night is near. And God's curse, nearest. Let us travel back and stand within the sword glare till we die, believing it is better to meet death than suffer desolation. Nay, beloved, we must not pluck death from the Maker's hand. As erst we plucked the apple, we must wait until he gives death as he gave us life nor murmur faintly over the primal gift, because we spoilt its sweetness with our sin. Ay, ay, dost thou discern what I behold? I see all, how the spirits in thine eyes, from their dilated orbits, bound before to meet the spectral dread. I am afraid. Ay, ay, the twilight bristles wild with shapes of intermittent motion, aspect vague and mystic bearings which o'ercreep the earth, keeping slow time with horrors in the blood. How near they reach, and far! How gray they move, treading upon the darkness without feet, and fluttering on the darkness without wings. Some run like dogs, with noses to the ground. Some keep one path, like sheep. Some rock, like trees. Some glide, like a fallen leaf and some flow on copious as rivers. Some spring up like fire, and some coil. Eh, eh, dost thou pause to say, like what? Coil like the serpent, when he fell from all the emerald splendor of his height and writhed, and could not climb against the curse, not a ring's length. I am afraid, afraid, I think, it is God's will to make me afraid permitting these to haunt us in the place of his beloved angels, gone from us because we are not pure. Dear pity of God, that didst permit the angels to go home and live no more with us who are not pure. Save us, too, from a loathly company, almost as loathly in our eyes, perhaps, as we are in the purest. Pity us, us, too, nor shut us in the dark, away from verity and from stability, 
or what we name such through the precedence of earth's adjusted uses leave us not to doubt betwixt our senses and our souls which are the more distraught and full of pain and weak of apprehension courage sweet the mystic shapes ebb back from us and drop with slow concentric movement each on each expressing wider spaces and collapsed in lines more definite for imagery arid clear for relation till the throng of shapeless spectra merge into a few distinguishable phantasms vague and grand which sweep out and around us vastly and hold us in a circle of a calm strained phantasms of pale shadow there are twelve thou who didst name all lives hast names for these methinks this is a zodiac of the earth which round us with a visionary dread responding with twelve shadowy signs of earth in fantastic apposition and approach to those celestial consolated twelve which palpitate adown the silent nights under the pressure of the hand of god stretched wide in benediction at this hour not a star pricketh the flat gloom of heaven but girding close to our nether wilderness the zodiac figures of the earth loom slow drawn out as suited with the place and time in twelve colossal shades instead of stars through which the ecliptic line of mystery strikes bleakly with an unrelenting scope foreshadowing life and death by dream or sense do we see this our spirits have climbed high by reason of the passion of our grief and from the top of sense looked over sense to the significance and heart of thing rather than things themselves and the dim twelve our dim exponents of the creature life as earth contains it gaze on them beloved by stricter apprehension of the sight suggestions of the creature shall assuage the terror of the shadows what is known subduing the unknown and taming it from all prodigious dread that phantasm there presents a lion albeit twenty times as large as any lion with a roar set soundless in his vibratory jaws and a strange horror stirring in his mane and there a pedulous shadow seems to weigh good against ill perchance and there a crab puts coldly out its gradual shadow claws like a slow blot that spreads till all the ground crawled over by it seems to crawl itself a bull stands horned here with gibbous blooms and a ram likewise and a scorpion rise its tail in ghastly slime and stings the dark this way a goat leaps with a wild blank of beard and here fantastic fishes duskly float using the calm for waters while their fins throb out quick rhythms along the shallow air while images more human how he stands that phantasm of a man who is not thou two phantasms of two men one that sustains and one that strives resuming so the ends of manhood's curse of labor dost thou see the phantasm of a woman i have seen but look off to those small humanities which draw me tenderly across my fear lesser and fainter than my womanhood or yet thy manhood with strange innocence set in the misty lines of head and hand they lean together i would gaze on them longer and longer till my watching eyes as the stars do in watching anything 
should light them forward from their outline to clear configuration. Two spirits, of organic and inorganic nature, arise from the ground. But what shapes rise up between us in the open space, and thrust me into horror back from hope? Colossal shapes, twin sovereign images, with a disconsolate blank majesty, set in their wondrous faces, with no look, and yet an aspect, a significance of individual life and passionate ends, which overcomes us gazing. Oblique sound, O shadow of a sound, O phantasm of thin sound, how it comes wheeling as the pale moth wheels, wheeling and wheeling in continuous wail around the cyclic zodiac, and gains force, and gathers, settling coldly like a moth, on the wan faces of these images we see before us, whereby modified it draws a straight line of articulate song from out that spiral faintness of lament, and by one voice expresses many griefs. I am the spirit of the harmless earth. God spake me softly out among the stars, as softly as a blessing of much worth. And then his smile did follow unawares, that all things fashioned so for use and duty might shine anointed with his chrism of beauty. Yet I wail. I drave on with words exultingly, obliquely down the godlight's gradual fall, individual aspect and complexity of guratory orb and interval, lost in the fluid motion of delight, toward the high ends of being beyond sight, yet I wail. I am the spirit of the harmless beasts, of flying things and creeping things and swimming, of all the lives ere set at silent feasts that found the love kiss on the goblet brimming, and tasted in each drop within the measure the sweetest pleasure of their lord's good pleasure. Yet I wail! What a full hum of life around his lips bore witness to the fullness of creation! How all the grand words were full-laden ships, each sailing onward from enunciation to separate existence, and each bearing the creature's power of joying, hoping, fearing, yet I wail! They wail, beloved! They speak of glory and God, and they wail, wail. That burden of the song drops from it like its fruit, and heavily falls into the lap of silence. Hark again. I was so beautiful, so beautiful. My joy stood up within me bold to add a word to God's, and when his work was full, to very good responded very glad. Filtered through roses did the light enclose me, and bunches of the grapes swam blue across me, yet I wail. I bounded with my panthers. I rejoiced in my young tumbling lions rolled together, my stag, the river at his fetlocks, poised, then dipped his antlers through the golden weather in the same ripple which the alligator left in his joyous troubling of the water. Yet I wail! O oh, my deep waters, cataract and flood, what wordless triumph did your voices render? O oh, mountain summits, where the eagle stood and shook from head and wing, thick dews of splendor! How with holy quiet did your earthy accept that heavenly, knowing ye were worthy? Yet I wail! O oh, my wild wood-dogs with your listening eyes! My horses, my ground-eagles for swift fleeing, my birds with viewless wings of harmonies, my calm cold fishes of a silver being, how happy were ye, living and possessing, O oh, fair half-souls capacious of full blessing, yet I wail. 
I wail, I wail. Now hear my charge today, thou man, thou woman, marked as the misdoers by God's sword at your backs. I lent my clay to make your bodies, which had grown more flowers, and now, in change for what I lent, ye give me the thorn to vex, the tempest fire to cleave me, and I wail. I wail, I wail, behold ye that I fasten my sorrows fang upon your souls dishonored. Accursed transgressors, down the steep ye hasten, your crowns wait on the world to drag it downward unto your ruin. Lo, my lions, scenting the blood of wars, roar hoarse and unrelenting, and I wail. I wail, I wail, do you hear that I wail? I had no part in your transgression, none. My roses on the bough did bud not pale, my rivers did not loiter in the sun, I was obedient. Wherefore in my centre do I thrill at this curse of death and winter? Do I wail? I wail, I wail, I wail in the assault of undeserved perdition. Sorely wounded, my nightingale sang sweet without a fault. My gentle leopards innocently bounded, we were obedient. What is this convulses our blameless life with pangs and fever pulses? And I wail! I choose God's thunder and his angel's swords to die by adam rather than such words let us pass out and flee we cannot flee this zodiac of the creature's cruelty curls round us like a river cold and drear and shuts us in constraining us to hear feel your steps o wandering sinners strike a sense of death to me and undug graves the heart of earth once calm is trembling like the ragged foam along the ocean waves the restless earthquakes rock against each other the elements moan round me mother mother and i wail your melancholy looks do pierce me through corruption swathes the paleness of your beauty why have ye done this thing what did we do that we should fall from bliss as ye from duty wild shriek the hawks in waiting for their jesses fierce howl the wolves along the wildernesses and i wail to thee the spirit of the harmless earth to thee the spirit of earth's harmless lives inferior creatures but still innocent be salutation from a guilty mouth yet worthy of some audience and respect from you who are not guilty if we have sinned god hath rebuked us who is over us to give rebuke or death and if ye wail because of any suffering from our sin ye who are under and not over us be satisfied with God, if not with us, and pass out from our presence in such peace, as we have left you to enjoy revenge, such as the heavens have made you, verily there must be strife between us, large as sin. No strife, mine Adam, let us not stand high upon the wrong we did to reach disdain, who rather should be humbler evermore, since self-made sadder. Adam! Shall I speak, I who spake once to such a bitter end? Shall I speak humbly now, who once was proud? I, schooled by sin to more humility than thou hast. O oh, mine Adam, O oh, my King, my King, if not the world. Speak as thou wilt. Thus then, my hand in thine, sweet, dreadful spirits, I pray you humbly in the name of God, not to say of these tears, which are impure, 
grant me such pardoning grace as can go forth from clean volitions toward a spotted will from the wronged to the wronger this and no more i do not ask more i am aware indeed that absolute pardon is impossible from you to me by reason of my sin and that i cannot evermore as once with worthy acceptation of pure joy behold the trances of the holy hills beneath the leaning stars or watch the veils dew pallid with their morning ecstasy or hear the winds make pastoral peace between two grassy uplands and the river wells work out their bubbling mysteries underground and all the birds sing till for joy of song they lift their trembling wings as if to heave the too much weight of music from their heart and float it up with tether i am aware that these things i can no more apprehend with a pure organ into a full delight the sense of beauty and of melody being no more aided in me by the sense of personal adjustment to those heights of what i see well formed or hear well tuned but rather coupled darkly and made ashamed by my precipiency of sin and fall and melancholy of humiliant thoughts but o oh, fair dreadful spirits albeit this your accusation must confront my soul and your pathetic utterance and full gaze must evermore subdue me be content conquer me gently as if pitying me not to say loving let my tears fall thick as watering dews of eden unreproached and when your tongues reprove me make me smooth not ruffled smooth and still with your reproof and peradventure better while more sad for look to it sweet spirits look well to it it will not be amiss in you who kept the law of your own righteousness and keep the right of your own griefs to mourn themselves to pity me twice fallen from that and this from joy of place and also right of wail i wail being not for me only i sin look to it o oh sweet spirits for was i not at that last sunset seen in paradise when all the westering clouds flashed out of sudden angel faces face by face all hushed and solemn as a thought of god held them suspended was i not that hour the lady of the world princess of life mistress of feast and favor could i touch a rose with my white hand but it became redder at once could i walk leisurely along our watered garden but the grass tracked me with greenness could i stand outside a moment underneath a cornel tree but all the leaves did tremble as alive with songs of fifty birds who were made glad because i stood there could i turn to look with these twain eyes of mine now weeping fast now good for only weeping upon man angel or beast or bird but each rejoiced because i looked on him alas alas and is not this much woe to cry alas speaking of joy and is not this more shame to have made the woe myself from all that joy to have stretched my hand and plucked it from the tree and chosen it for fruit 
nay, is not this still most despair, to have halved that bitter fruit, and ruined so the sweetest friend I have, turning the greatest to mine enemy? I will not hear thee speak so. Hearken, spirits, our God, who is the enemy of none, but only of their sin, has set your hope, and my hope, in a promise. On this head, show reverence, then, and never bruise her more, with unpermitted and extreme reproach, less passionate in anguish, she fling down between your trampling feet God's gift to us, a sovereignty, by reason and free will, sinning against the province of the soul, to rule the soulless. Reverence her estate, and pass out from her presence with no words. O oh, dearest heart, have patience with my heart, O oh, spirits, have patience stead of reverence, and let me speak, for not being innocent, it little doth become me to be proud, and I am prescient by the very hope and promise set upon me, that henceforth only my gentleness shall make me great, my humbleness exalt me. Awful spirits, by witness that I stand in your reproof, but one sun's length off from my happiness, Happy, as I have said, to look around, clear to look up, and now I need not speak. Ye see me what I am, ye scorn me so, because ye see me what I have made myself from God's best making. Alas, peace foregone, love wronged, and virtue forfeit, and tears wept upon all vainly. Alas, me, alas, who have undone myself from all that best, fairest, and sweetest, to this wretchedness, saddest, and most defiled. Cast down, cast down, what word meets absolute loss? Let absolute loss suffice you for revenge. For I, who lived beneath the wings of angels yesterday, wandered today beneath the roofless world, I, reigning the earth's empress yesterday, but off from me today your hate with prayers. I, yesterday, who answered the Lord God, composed and glad, as singing birds the sun, might shriek now from our dismal desert. God, and hear him make reply, what is thy need, thou whom I cursed today? Eve. I, at last, who yesterday was helpmate and delight unto mine Adam, am today the grief and curse meet for him, and so pity us, ye gentle spirits, and pardon him and me, and let some tender peace made of our pain grow up betwixt us, as a tree might grow, with boughs on both sides, in the shade of which, when presently ye shall behold us dead, for the poor sake of our humility, Breathe out your pardon on our breathless lips, and drop your twilight dews against our brows, and stroking with mild airs our harmless hands, left empty of all fruit, perceive your love distilling through your pity over us, and suffer it, self-reconciled, to pass. End of Scene 3 Part 1